Hey, welcome to the Intentional Living Center. I'm Dr. Randy, live in the studio today along with Jennifer and Stephen and uh, to our Facebook family joining us as well, our friends. Uh, welcome. Gino's making sure we're looking good there today as well, hopefully. Do whatever you can, Gino. Appreciate it. Uh, and we'd love to talk with you. We're here as a big family. We love you. We care for you. And we got a passion to help people experience life really as God intended for us to. Less regrets, more freedom, more peace. And uh, if you need a friend you want to talk to, give me a call. Dr. Randy at 888-888-1717. 888-888-1717. Maybe uh, I'm thinking about marriage a lot these days because getting ready for the intentional love marriage date nights. Uh, which are sold out in East Lansing, by the way, in Michigan, and just just almost now in Detroit. We only have a f- spot for f- just a few more couples uh, in the uh, Auburn Hills. But I've been thinking about marriage, and one of the things I'm going to talk about at the conference is about expectations. You think about it, an expectation which isn't met in marriage can create disappointment. And sometimes when I all get a chance to talk to you about your marriage, about questions you're facing in your marriage and your relationship, it really comes back often to some level of expectation that's not being met. It may be a reasonable expectation. It may be an unreasonable expectation because we each have different kinds of expectations. Some of us have lower expectations. We don't, we don't live in the world of expectations as much as some others do. And so maybe that's something you're wrestling with. If you want to want to call and uh, join in, I'd love to talk to you, have a question going on in your life, a decision you're trying to make. You'd like to know how these Steps that we talk about of intentional living can make a difference. Give me a call, 888-888-1717, or one thing that's been working for you. Love to hear from you. I'll tell you what we did. I have a a large supply of comment line, people who leave stories and questions and comments on our storyline. I wanted to share some of those with you today, Uh, just dipping into what people are talking about, uh, sharing questions, making comments, and... uh, I'd uh, love to have you join in live in this process. So if you have a question for me, give, give me a call. 888-888-1717. Let's get started with a one thing comment uh, from our comment line. Hi, this is regarding little things in the marriage. And this is such a minute thing, but it's made a world of difference in my attitude. It used to be if my husband did something like, left the milk out or left a dirty bowl on the table or something really minute like that, it would irritate me and I would have to point it out to him so that he could fix it. But uh, at some point, I changed my attitude and I said, wait a minute, this is my husband. He does all these very kind and thoughtful little things for me. So for me to pick up a dirty bowl or something he's left, is not an issue. It's a non-issue. It's an act of love for me to finish something that he has started and forgotten about. So it's made a big difference in my attitude. Uh, I don't have to nag at him. I don't feel like he's done something wrong. We're a partnership and we watch out for each other. Mm, That's good. But I do hope he starts picking up his dirty bowls, by the way. (laughs) But listen, you know what? You adjusted the expectations a little bit, and you started to get the big picture, looking at the other things in this loving relationship in your marriage, not focusing on the thing that isn't being done, isn't being met. It's easy for us to focus on what we don't like. That's why this thing of expectations 
create such a problem in our life because when an expectation is not met, whatever it is, if you end up uh, going to a four-star restaurant and get three-star service, you're going to be disappointed. But if you go to a two-star restaurant and get a three-star service, you're going to be happy, correct? That's just the way it is. We enter into anything with a certain level of expectation. This guy cleaning up the bowls. He's got to, I expect he's going to clean them up every time, and uh, which would be nice, by the way. But at the same time, we can, we can lose perspective when an expectation isn't met. Asking the question, is that a reasonable expectation? If it is, maybe it's something that needs to be addressed. If it's not, sometimes there's grace uh, in, in the process. Yeah. All right. Uh, you can join in today. We have a question for me. You want to join into our Intentional Living Center? 888 888-888-1717 is the phone number. 888-888-1717. Let's go to Tennessee uh, with another One Thing for Marriage. Hi, this is Vicki. One thing that has improved my marriage of 33 years is we made this a habit of asking each other, what can I do for you today? And sometimes it's nothing. And sometimes it's, well, you can put my clothes in the dryer or you can um, take out the garbage or something simple. But the simple act of asking if I can do something for my spouse has improved our marriage. Mm-hmm. Asking. That's important, isn't it? Yeah. What do you think about that, uh, Jennifer, and your marriage? You guys can ask each other things that need to get done and communicate pretty well? Not all the time, but I got to say, Dr. Randy, one thing I love about your show, and whenever you say we love the listeners, we do love you so much. And I think anyone who calls in is so brave, and I have such great gratitude and respect because I get to learn so much so often. And it is um, what these bo- both these ladies have mentioned, the little things. Mm-hmm. And these are things I, too, am learning because I would get irritated at times with my husband leaving um, dishes on our coffee table. But then I turn around and I look at the dining table and I have this little nasty corner of mail and oh. it piles up. And I thought, oh, you know, I, why am I getting angry about these cups on the uh, table over here when I've got all this stack of mail and junk mail over here? Yeah. So what's good for the goose is good for the gander, I guess. <laughs> I guess so. All right. Let's take a little break here, Jennifer. We'll be back. We're talking marriage today. We're talking about life. We're talking about what does it mean when we talk about intentional living, moving from a good intention, which can lead to procrastination, discouragement, and frustration, to actually taking action, doing that next thing. What is it? Maybe you're facing something in your life today, a decision, an issue, a question, and you'd like to know how Three or four of these steps of intentional living can make a difference. Let's talk. 888-888-1717. This is Intentional Living with your host, Dr. Randy Carlson. Intentional Living is furnished by Parent Talk Incorporated and is made possible by the generous support of our listeners just like you. This program is not a substitute for professional counseling, medical, financial, or legal advice. Intentional Living is not intended to be therapy by radio but it is intended to help you live an intentional life in Jesus Christ. 
Thank you for that reminder, Kurt. You know, one of the things we really care about a lot is you and your relationship with your family and your marriage. And I had a chance to talk to uh, my friend, Dr. Gary Chapman, who's the author of that national best-selling book, The Five Love Languages. He wrote the love language books for kids, uh, love language books, I think, for business. I don't know if he wrote one on love language for dogs. I don't know. (laughs) Anyway, uh, he's taken this concept of these love languages and really... Uh, brought him to life, and I get a chance to talk to him a little bit, and uh, we put that up on our on our platform for our, our donor team, our members. But I want to share a clip with you from that and then tell you how you can get a copy of this powerful book, very practical book, as we're talking about marriage. Take a listen. Have you found in your work with couples that there are matches of love languages that tend to work better together and those that don't? Well, you would assume, and I, I can't really say this is true, but you would assume that if they each had the same primary love language, it would be easier for them. But I found even if they have the same love language, they will likely have what I call different dialects of that language. For example, a lady said to me, uh, she said, Gary, we, my husband and I have the same love language. I said, well, wonderful. What, what is it? She said, acts of service. But, she said, the things I want him to do for me that make me feel loved are different from the things he wants me to do for him to make him feel loved. Mm-hmm. Same language, it's different dialects. So I think if we, if we understand that concept, uh, it's going to help us to know that they're not only languages, but they're dialects. And the other thing I really like to emphasize, please don't hear me say you only speak a person's primary love language. No, no, no. Heavy doses of the primary. Sprinkle in the other four for extra credit. I mean, all of these ways to express love. (laughs) (laughs) You know, the five love languages. If you haven't read the book, it's really a a very practical, it's a simple book in terms of understandability. Uh, It's very clear. Five languages. What are they? How they impact your marriage and your relationship. And I told the team, I said, hey, let's make this available to our friends who are joining us in support this month to help us uh, become uh, stronger in the outreach that God has raised up through Intentional Living. And so as you become a part of our Intentional Living family and your monthly support, we'll make sure you receive the book. Plus, we're going to give you access exclusively to our members-only club, I suppose uh, we could call it. But to those of you who are supporting monthly, we have a special platform where we're putting all of the teaching from our monthly teaching for the last couple of months, a couple of years, actually, and then any new things that we're creating, like the interview I had with Gary, the full interviews up there. So these things are available, and you can get access. If you're a member, by the way, been supporting every month, uh, we sent an email to you and a letter, but if it didn't get to you, you missed it, please let us know. We'll give you the code so you can get on to this exclusive site for our members. Come and join us today. Go to theintentionallife.com, theintentionallife.com. Click on that donate icon and come and be a part of the Intentional Living family. We'd love to hear from you. All right, phone line open, 888-888-1717. Be a part of the show. One thing that's working for you, a question, we're here. We just love you. want to talk to you live uh, today. Let's get to the calls. Uh, Going to Susan in Arizona. Hi there, Susan. How you doing? Hey, I'm great. Thank you. Good. Sunny day today. Beautiful. Yeah, beautiful day. Yeah. Yeah. What's your thought today? 
Hi, Dr. Andy. Thank you for taking my call. Um, so I was married 32 years uh, to a, a, a really just, a, you know, a normal guy. Um, he wasn't perfect. I wasn't perfect. But we did have one thing that we tried every day, um, and we reminded each other of it. And we were really committed to it. I think it might help some people, um, so I wanted to share. Um, you know, in life, we, especially if we're Christians, we have a pretty high set of standards for ourselves mm-hmm. and for other people. And I think that that is not really always realistic. Okay, so when he would come home, um, we would sit down, and we just had one word at the table. It was called unoffendable. And what it means is that we were allowed to stay and be and just do anything we could for anything we needed to do for like 10 minutes. But then once we were done, we were like, okay, we, we can't, you know, like, we can't act this way. Um, so what, what it's called by unoffendable is it means we're going to come to the table and not assume anything. We're not going to assume we know what the other person's thinking. We're not going to assume we know what the other person wants to do, thinks anything about their past. We're just going to, for a moment, not assume anything. We're going to be unoffendable, literally. And mm-hmm. and that's a really hard thing because we yep. want people to act certain ways, right? Mm-hmm. So by allowing each other to be completely human for just a, a little part of our day and, and set aside that time, every day we did it, every day. And I know that that's hard for a lot of people, you know, even if it's just five minutes, ten minutes, where you can be yourself completely. And in this, don't assume you know anything. Just, just, just be unoffendable and, and listen. And that helped us to open up our our communication lines because we weren't assuming we knew. We weren't going to, you know. And and that's a, a big term, unoffendable. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's a big, it's a loaded word. So we really kind of studied that word together in the Bible. Um, you know, scripturally, like that we're not supposed to be offended. We're not supposed to take offense all the time. And we're supposed you, to live at peace with one another, and we can't do that if we're not listening. And that's that's uh, that's not easy to do sometimes. And I, and I think the idea of being able to sit down and really be honest with each other, one of the questions we get, I've had in counseling over the years and working with people, is well, we just don't communicate. You know, when I start to communicate something, uh, he gets angry and just shuts down and walks away. Or, or we start to communicate, and then pretty soon, the, the topic we're discussing, we have diverted into talking about one of the in-laws. You know, in other, in other words, we get off topic. And to be able to really sit down, one of the things we help couples try to do, I'm going to talk about it at the conference, is to sit down with these expectations and say, okay, what are eight or ten expectations that you have when it comes to our communication or, or our life? And wh- what are eight or ten that you have Maybe you don't even know what some of the expectations are in the relationship. And then be able to share those honestly with each other and find out that, you know, out of those eight or ten, maybe it's possible that your spouse is only going to be able to, to meet three or four of those. They can't always make you happy. I mean, come on, let's be honest. Maybe in the back of your head you got this expectation, my spouse is going to make me happy all the time. Uh, maybe you came into marriage thinking that's the way it was. It should be. And the reality is that isn't the way it works. And so maybe there's an expectation that needs to be adjusted. And maybe there's another expectation that's realistic that needs to be met. That's powerful. And maybe it's not in the marriage. We can talk about it, have an honest discussion. One of the ways we can become free in the relationship is have these clear understanding of the expectations in the marriage. All right. Thank you, Susan. Appreciate it. You can join us. Triple eight, triple eight, seventeen, seventeen. Robin. Robin is in Arizona. Hi, Robin. How you doing? 
Hi, Dr. Randy. Thank you for taking my call. You're welcome. Uh, Go ahead. First time caller, long time listener. You said something that just really tripped my trigger about procrastination. Mm. I live with two serial procrastinators, Mm -hmm. and I have observed that some people wait for emotions to motivate them to do something that's important to them. Yeah. But I have found that emotions don't work that way. At least in my life, I have found that when I purpose in my heart to do something and act on that, God gives me the emotions that support what I've already decided to do and acted on. Almost like a gift that you, you're doing the, the next right thing, or you're doing the thing that you know you're supposed to do, and then God gives you those emotions to support you. But why do you, think they, pro- you, why do you think they procrastinate? You love them, but they well, procrastinate. I think that they're, they're, motivated, they're motivated by their emotions, mm-hmm. and they're waiting for emotions to propel them into doing something. Almost like they're waiting for that strong emotion to propel them. And in, in times of crisis, that certainly happens, where we get strong emotions that motivate yeah. us to do something that we've put off. But I have found it's very rewarding to act on something, even if it's a small thing. Or even if, you're, if there's something that you know you need to do and you're not sure how to do it, taking steps toward it. Yeah. I, I, I always used to love the idea of getting up early and going to work out. And at night, that sounded like a perfect idea for, you know, the next morning at five o'clock in the morning. But five o'clock in the morning comes, the alarm rings. And the last thing I want to do is get out of my warm, toasty bed and go exert myself. And so I found myself it's like, okay, I'm not committing to working out. I'm just going to throw my legs over the bed and sit up. And then it's like, okay, I, I did that. That wasn't too bad. And then it's like, okay, I'm not committing to working out. I'm going to get up, get dressed maybe drive to the parking lot of the gym. And I keep doing that. And pretty soon my emotions are fully engaged and I want to work out. I want to do that. Here's a question. Let me ask you a question. By the way, that's the way to do it. We talk about doing the next right one thing, the power of one thing. Here's where I think procrastination is often rooted in fear. It can be Mm -hmm. rooted in laziness, but it can be rooted in fear. Uh, Um, the problem is you make a decision not to do something, that's still a decision. It's Indecision is still a decision, and there's consequences mm-hmm. either way. But how does this impact your relationship with these folks, or these that you love, who are serial procrastinators? I'm trying to exercise patience and trying to model that, which, you know, it's it's something that I used to, I used to struggle with procrastination, and then I decided that, Action is what starts it. Action is what starts that engine of those emotions that give you the purpose that that you want. That's right. And so even doing a little thing, and then it's like I get some emotions. It's It's like fuel. It's like, you know, you start up your engine, and the act of actually doing something or going somewhere or heading in a direction brings more fuel into that engine. It's, mm-hmm. it's maybe counterintuitive. I've just noticed that that's how it works in my life. And so I try to share that vision and just to say, okay, I'm going to get up. I have, I'm a list person. And so I always mm-hmm. have things on my list that I need to do. And sometimes the one that I don't want to do the most is the one that I'll tackle yeah. because it brings me the most satisfaction once I've gotten it. And I may not even know how to tackle it, 
but I start, I just start whittling away at, okay, how do I do this? I'm actually going to do something now. I didn't know how I was going to solve. I just started making a couple of phone calls and now I've got a direction. Yeah. And, and the fact that you're taking action, inertia is what gets us stuck. But I do think many times people procrastinate. Sometimes it's this simply that we're lazy and we put it off until tomorrow. Come on. How many of us waited until the night before the term paper was due in college? <laughs> Uh, to say, all right, I got a rough draft somewhere, uh, <laughs> and let's get it done. But there's always a payoff uh, that may not be comfortable. There's a consequence for procrastination. It can impact relationships. Um, and and you're, you're blessed, Robin, to have that attitude to say, hey, just get my legs over the bed. That's first. Then I stand up. That's two. I get dressed, three. And then I'm in the parking lot, and then I'm in the gym. Uh, because I think many of us look at the big picture. These, this is what I want to do. And I've heard it said that we, we tell ourselves, and here's a reality, uh, we think we can do more in a day than we can, but the reality is in a year you think about what can be done if you do a little bit every day. And by the end of a year you've done a lot. Memorizing, did you know memorizing one verse a day from Scripture, by the end of one year you, would, you could have memorized all the books of Ephesians and Colossians and Philippians uh, in one year, but just one verse a day. Uh, it's a powerful thing. All right. Thank you, Robin. Appreciate it. Let's take a quick break. We'll be back. Hey, the phone line's open. You have a question for us, Intentional Living. Maybe you wrestle with procrastination. One of the things we talk about with procrastination, let's take the break. I'll come back and tell you what we, we see with procrastination, where it comes from an intentional living uh, uh, perspective. All right. We'll be right back. Intentional love. It's the key to opening up intimacy and closeness in your life and marriage. What's the process to build an intentional marriage? The reality is there should be a great big sign across our foreheads on the day we get married that says, Assembly Required. Join Dr. Randy Carlson for laughter and inspiration at the Intentional Love Marriage Date Night. It's good to get some updated advice and information to help us with our marriage. Stepping out of our comfort level and see what really works, what doesn't. To grow closer in our relationship and just come away with some ideas and some techniques that we can use. You'll have a great time rediscovering just how much you love each other. Don't miss the Intentional Love Marriage Date Night, Saturday, March 2nd at 7 p.m at the Auburn Hills Christian Center. Get your tickets today. Go to theintentionallife.com right now. That's theintentionallife.com. Hope you'll do that. Listen, East Lansing, looking forward to being with you there at the New Hope Church in East Lansing uh, week Friday. We sold out two weeks ago. So those of you that have uh, uh, tickets, looking forward to being with you. Then Auburn Hills on th- uh, Saturday night, the 2nd, got the report from our um, events department this morning. We're like over 90% sold out, and it looks like within the next couple of days, that'll be sold out. So if you've been thinking about it, grab your friends, get those tickets, come. Uh, we've made it very reasonable just to cover our costs because we want to minister to you, love on you. I'm going to talk about four secrets to intentional love, realistic expectations, encouraging words, seeking agreement, and your daily habits. We're going to talk about what that means, and we'll do it in a fun way, but we want you to be a part of it. So don't miss out. Auburn Hills, March 2nd, Michigan. Go to theintentionallife.com, theintentionallife.com. 
All right. I think I have time for one more question uh, from, uh, from Arizona. Go ahead. My name is Yvonne. I am in a situation and not sure how to kind of deal with this. We have lost our second son three years ago, and it kind of just rocked our family. We have seven children, counting them. I'm going through a time with my other children, just not really wanting to support or Well, I don't know what to say, but our family is just kind of rocked. And I know this generational thing is going on with our children, and I'm not sure how to deal with it, especially with losing children. I hope this comes out okay, but just kind of figure out where do we work with these adults, children in our lives that are kind of being a little more disrespectful and not so honorable. Mm -hmm. Yvonne, listen, let let me give you a little word picture, if I can. Um, Think about taking a rubber band. Follow me now. Take a rubber band. Take your your hand and point your fingers toward the ceiling. Open your hand a little bit. And put the rubber band around all those fingers. Okay? Got a picture? Here's a rubber band around your fingers facing toward the ceiling. And as you pull on one of those fingers, you feel the pressure, don't you? You feel the pressure on the other fingers. We're a system. A family is like a system. We, we work together. We impact each other. We influence each other. In your case, you had two of those gone. There's a change. The system has been impacted. Expectations have changed. Um, maybe issues of grief or questions of why. Um, haven't been answered in in the minds of some of the kids. Uh, We find this true often in families where the parents have such an influence, cast such a shadow, as it were, over the entire family that when they're gone, they go to heaven, uh, the sibling's not sure how to handle each other anymore. They don't know how to relate because the glue was the mom or the dad or both of them. And so to to answer your question, Yvonne, you, you love your kids. You want the best for your kids. Can I encourage you just to sit down with your family and just talk? And it isn't pointing fingers, just saying, hey, we love each other. We've been through a lot. How are we doing? How are we doing? I think families are wise when they can just talk to each other, be honest with each other, listen to each other. I think when a family, if a family were wise after going through a crisis, to even sit down with an outside counselor or pastor or someone who can just ask some questions and help that family process What's going on in that family? Because there's a dynamic that has changed in that relationship. And it's a powerful thing. And I think often what happens is we all grieve the loss differently. And that can create problems. That's why so many marriages, we see marriages failing at a higher rate after the death of a child or a crisis in the family because they don't have the capacity or they're not equipped to be able to deal with that grief together as a couple. And so talking together as a family can be a very important thing to do. I hope that helps, Yvonne. We're talking intentional living, and uh, we're talking about what happened. I I was going to mention something about procrastination, wasn't I? Procrastination, as I see it from intentional living, comes when people know what they ought to do. They have the goal. They have the right intention, but then they don't act on it. And that's where the procrastination creates um, frustration and regret. There's another group of people, however, who are very active, 
They have great habits. They're busy every day, but it's not tied to any particular intention. And they become unintentional in life and become weary and tired doing things. And at the end of the day, ask themselves, why am I doing this? Where is this taking me? And so we can be guilty of either, can't we? All right, phone line is open. We're going to just stay here and talk. Give me a call, 888-888-1717. We'll see you back again tomorrow right here from the Intentional Living Center.